put on some deodorant and be nice. And welcome, everybody, to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. 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 Sean and I are still living. Uh, the FEMA the FEMA alert went out, and uh, did your nanoparticles explode your brain? Uh, well, my balls hurt a little bit. <laughs> but other than that, I'm good. Oh, you keep your phone in the front mm-hmm. pocket, I see. Yeah. Well, it was very loud, and it made me poop a little bit. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the funniest thing ever is that uh, the alerts of, uh, you know, if you have your phone on or any electronic device and this thing goes off, you know, you're, you might explode or your heart might give out or because of the nanoparticles. Just just trying to keep you safe. I know. Just trying to keep you safe. Better safe than sorry, right? And know where you are at all times. (laughs) Well, it was funny. I was in a meeting when it happened and they, uh, (laughs) Like everybody's phone went off at different times. Oh, really? Yeah, they were not synced up. But like they went off every thirty seconds for like two minutes. Because uh, you're on the East Coast, so it was supposed to be two twenty. Two twenty. So they started at two eighteen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So well, it was eleven something here. So yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Oh, well. well, how you doing? I'm all right. Yeah. No, just living the dream over Feel, here on the East Coast. Feeling okay? Uh-huh. Good. Mm. Good. I'm sorry been, we couldn't hook up last week while you're That's in all right. Town. You're sicko. How are you feeling? Uh, well, way better. Um, but man, I had a hell of a head cold. It never got mm. into my lungs or to my chest, but it was like in my head and my sinuses and then That's I felt, a new COVID. Yeah, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and I felt like, you know, I don't think I can taste anything right now because my head is so snotted up. Um, Mm. and as we know with tasting smell is like 90% of, uh, tasting. So that's, that's suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Suspicious. Having a cold, a thing that we call the cold for. I think you were targeted years and years. I might've been, I might've been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll, we'll start that, that, uh, conspiracy for sure. You were Targeted by Reaganomics. Yeah, and then I gave, <laughs> then I gave it to uh, Dana, because sharing is caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was sick for a few days, and then Nathan has it. Mm. Um, and then, um, but Sophia's staying away, and so that's nice. And I'm staying, away, and we were staying away from my dad. I saw him yesterday for the first time in like two weeks. And we're just, uh, you know, just trying to enjoy the last little bit of our vacation. Just getting through it. Yeah. So it's been good though. Well, I'm sorry. That stinks. It is what it is. You know, I mean, it's, it's part of being alive. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how I have to look at things. All these yeah. things well, are so part of being are alive. Are you going to be able to taste our deliciousness or are we just going to talk about silly things? Oh no, I can taste. And I'm, okay. I'm actually excited to taste. I, I had my first Oktoberfest beer at, um, uh, where was I? Uh, cracking game. On Monday, I went to the preseason cracking game. Oh. Uh, Max got some free tickets, uh, so he invited me, and uh, so I had my first uh, Oktoberfest beer, which was nice. It was like my first beer in like a week and a half, too. Uh, mm. my first Does inning. Max even like hockey? Uh, I think he just likes the same way I like just going to the experience. Mm. Like, I haven't been to Climate Pledge Arena in ever. Um, I've been there when it was like Key Arena, or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. and he's gone a couple times with our neighbor who has season tickets. That's where he got these tickets. Well, that's fine. So it was. It was nice to go in there. It was state of the art uh, stadium, and mm-hmm. uh, and they have all those creepy Amazon things in there. Like <clears throat> uh, if you get a, a burger or some kind of food, uh, you have to put in your debit card or scan your palm, uh, mm-hmm. like the sign of Satan, and. Uh, and then you can walk in and grab what you want and walk out and cameras take pictures of everything you got and scan you as you go out so that uh, they can charge you appropriately. $100 for a sandwich. So uh, $100. Yeah. Well, the beer is outrageous. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Stupid the markup pretty, up there. Yeah. It's pretty typical. Yeah. Chum. How do you think they're going to change uh, the climate? They need your money. Yeah, they need my money. <laughs> yep. Like Adam Curry said, uh, he goes, uh, I think it was this week, he said, I now am a believer that humans cause climate change. 
And John Dvorak goes, oh, really? He goes, yeah, I think it's a complete money scam that humans want money so that they're saying that there is climate change and we need your money. Mm. It's a scam. <laughs> it's all a scam. Uh, so uh, that was kind of how I spent so far my week this week. I've been doing other things around the house and stuff like that, getting stuff um, just taken care of. But yeah. And was looking right. forward to this and this delicious Oktoberfest that you had. I, uh, did you actually read the can closely? <clears throat> yeah, the Firestone Oak Aged Lager. Yeah. Oktoberfest. It's a little different. Yeah. So I picked I'm really it on purpose excited. because, you know, it's Oktoberfest time. Yeah. And it's only 5.2%. Yeah. So it's pretty light for Sh- beer. Should we, should we crack this? You want to hear about what they say? Yeah, I do. Let's go, buddy. Uh, seasonal Firestone Walker Classic Oktoberfest Oaked Aged Lager is matured in oak barrels to deliver smooth, rich, biscuity <laughs> flavors available in the fall. Nice. Uh, smooth mouthfeel. Grab your Stein and your Lederhosen. Available in six-packs and draft. All right. You may also like other Firestone beers. Yep, I have actually tried other Firestone beers. I don't know if we have on the podcast. I was uh, looking through I our little chart, like... and I don't see any. I know, but that chart is not very <laughs> complete. <laughs> I mean, we've tried, but... <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, Tim, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's paying attention. Um, I'm looking at their list of regulars, and I don't think we've tried any of these. Yeah. It's hard to remember, because I, I really like Firestone. Yeah. Uh, they make some really great seasonal beers and like um like barley wine kind of big special edition beers yeah um so I, I just like them yeah i like i like firestone beers too so let's crack this open and i'm right, kind of interested to taste the oak aged oh yeah it's their vintage series those are some of the really good ones Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oof. Or this. Oh, it's like really light colored. Well, I could taste the, or I can smell the difference. That oakiness right away. All right. Yeah, it's like a straw yellow. Nice, beautiful head on it. It's a little sacrilege. I'm drinking out of a Chinook Ales <laughs> glass. I don't even think they exist anymore. And Firestone, Firestone's where? California. Oh, yeah. And they name, I think it's two, it's like a brother-in-laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it's 20, they started 25 years ago in California in a shack behind, at the end of a winery, a family winery. Oh, okay. Mostly using wine equipment. And the name comes from the last names of the two brothers. Oh, Firestone right. and Walker. Nice. Makes nice. a great beer name. Firestone and um, Walker. Yeah, it does. Yeah, let's have, it? see what's going on here. All right. Cheers. It definitely smells just like an Oktoberfest. That's oh, good. Oh, it's man. Like, got a very German taste. Yeah. Very subtle oak flavor. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it'd be more oaky. Yeah, I was too. You call it Oktoberfest, you'd think it would taste oaky. Yeah, yeah. Like if you got this on draft out of a no, I'm retarded. I didn't even notice that it said Oktoberfest. (laughs) You said Oktoberfest out loud. No, I said Oktoberfest. Oh. (laughs) And when you said oak, I just realized that's an A. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. A couple of amateurs. Yeah. (laughs) That was good. Well, anyway, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, it tastes just like something you'd get at the German bars around Seattle. Yep. It's good. It's really well done. Mm, that's delicious. Good job, Firestone. Oh, All right. What, yeah. are we, um, what are we browning in? Oh, uh, well, tonight, this is a suggestion from a uh, listener. Uh, this is from JT. And JT suggested that we try Peerless Rye. This is one of his favorite rye whiskeys. Um, what do we know about Peerless? Well, so originally, it's from Kentucky. Um, and, uh, the guy that, uh, created this, uh, whiskey is, uh, Henry Craver. Um, yeah. So, and it's from the 19, uh, 1897, 1889. So is this like a revived? 
recipe <clears throat> situation? I believe so, yeah. And on their website, they actually have a really nice website. They have like a whole timeline of their history of their um, distillery. Um, it's now a state-of-the-art facility, cutting-edge technology, um, automated distillery. So, you know, right-to-work state. Um, they have uh, bourbons and... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is their small batch rye. I've never tried their Down bourbons. machine to do your job. That's right. That's right. Uh, so it says uh, it's uh, well-balanced, sweet tones. Um, I'm not going to give away too much because we're going to do our own tasting. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to read the tasting notes before we do that. But And I was lucky enough that Total Wine & More sells a, a little bottle. Um, hopefully this might be one that I'll go back and get a full bottle of. I wish I had a brighter light here. Ooh. So I'm going to pour a little here in my tasting glass. Very nice. Ooh, it's really pretty. Yeah. A little darker, kind of red, copperish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Whew. Oh. Went right up the nose. Yeah, it's 112 proof. So 56.3 alcohol. <laughs> Sorry, copy. <laughs> Did it really just Yeah, I just sneak a, right took up? it too big of a whiff. Nice. a boy. Dive right in. Dive right in, big guy. That's good. All right. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. Um, we can do this. Hmm. Smell on the nose wasn't too much of a rye. Woo. But I get a lot of it smells more like a bourbon. Hmm. But it it's, is it's sweet. It's sweet. But with it's, a bite. Yeah. It's very sweet. The end is big. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Mm. Yeah, very, very sweet. Very, very sweet. Um, typically, I like ryes that have much more like big chocolatey kind of herbally minty rye notes. And I do not mm-hmm. find that in this. Yeah. I find a slight bit of that kind of minty profile, but I find I this feel to like be, it's go ahead. It's overwhelmed by the alcohol. <laughs> the heat. It's too big. Just, yeah, it's a little bit too big. I, I think there's I bet those flavors are in there, but just it's got a little bit too much of a burn to enjoy the rest of it. So you get just the sweet, the burn, and everything else is subtle or gone. What's the description say? <clears throat> well, they say peerless straight rye whiskey is a well-balanced, bolstered by sweet tones of maple, brown sugar, and light citrus sweetness. Finished with a hint of oak and no burn on the throat. No, the burn's mm. in the mouth. Due mm. to the carefully unique distilling process, peerless offers a smooth taste that stands out from other ryes. A palatable sipping rye to be savored with friends and family. Every drop is honestly crafted, and we craft using strictly sweet mash, starting with fresh water and grain in each batch. Oh, fresh water. That's great. Don't they all? Our whiskey is never (laughs) chill-filtered, leaving all the craft flavors you love intact. Peerless, this is is how how do you write something without saying anything? (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, this this is a really good, you know, uh, whoever wrote this, good job. Because that's exactly yeah, what I the see. The beginning was important. The description of what it is. <laughs> yeah. Then it's just like, well, we need more words. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this sentence right here is just our chill. Our whiskey is never chill filtered, leaving all the craft flavors you love intact. Okay, what does that mean? What are the mm. craft flavors that I love? What are they assuming those craft flavors that I love are? Uh, Peerless whiskey is bottled at barrel proof. Mm. Cool. You're welcome to add water to your liking. We'll leave that up to you. Thanks, Peerless. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a weird description. I know. We use water. <laughs> no, Thanks. no, we use fresh water. Oh, fresh water. Yeah. That's like uh, one of my favorite things the brewery does is um, Rogue says that their beer is brewed with... Um, Free range water, <laughs> that's what they call it. Free range mountain or free range coastal water. So say. funny. And if you ask the brewers why, they're like, "Because we thought it was funny." Yeah, <laughs> it's smart. Just fucking around. Smart. We <laughs> Sorry, I I went to Leavenworth 
and we had we went to Blue Spirits Distillery, uh, which is the one distillery that's mm-hmm. there in Leavenworth, and they have some. <laughs> as soon as they're like, "Would you like to try?" and I didn't know this. Would you like to try anything from our Tommy Bahama line? I was like, "Oh, oh. fuck!" <laughs> like, I was like, "This is not going to be great." It was terrible whiskey. It was terrible. It really whiskey. bad. Super expensive. Terrible whiskey. Um, their rum was probably like the best thing they had. Yeah. I think um, that's the one there's a, uh, like a cherry flavored one that Katie and Gary like. Yes. Yes. Yep. And, and then, so the girl that was serving us, this is, this is part of the story. Um, she seemed high as hell and had dreadlocks. Um, you know, not that the two correlate, um, but she didn't look like someone who was presenting Tommy Bahama, uh, hmm. you know, high end whiskey. She seemed mm-hmm. like she could give a fuck less about being there. And then after we drank our flights and paid, um, you know, we asked her, well, what's going on this weekend here in Leavenworth? You know, when do they do Oktoberfest? Because Oktoberfest should be right now. And this is supposed to be like a Bavarian <clears throat> place. And uh, and she goes, well, we got some fall thing coming up here in Hitler's little playground. <laughs> <laughs> And and I was like, whoa. She goes, she goes, well, I guess I could say that now that you've already tipped me. And then uh, she thought she was being funny. Well, I was with Max, and Max didn't hear that part. And as we walked out of, of that place, she's like, you guys want to buy a bottle? I was like, nah. Um, as uh, as we walked out, I said, can you believe she said Hitler's little playground? And he goes, she said what? And he didn't hear it. And he goes, he goes I would have corrected her if I would have heard that. He goes, that was... That's not okay to no. say something like that. And uh yeah, so she she seemed like uh you know, maybe maybe they need to to find someone else to do that job that'd be a little bit more Yeah, no kidding. PR, you're I the, guess. You're in the service industry. Yeah. Like put on some deodorant and be nice. Not only that, you're in the service industry in Leavenworth. Mm-hmm. Like a Bavarian town. Talking yeah, about like Hitler and some like, you know, oh, this place is a Hitler shithole. Yeah. Maybe yeah. isn't the right look. Also, ding dong, you should know that they don't hold Oktoberfest in Leavenworth anymore. The the big tent festival they used to do, yeah. they canceled it because a lot of drunk idiots would show up and destroy the town. They're like, we're not well, doing it anymore. It's in Wenatchee now. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, it was yeah, com- like, there's I think they're going to have one. Yeah, they'll do like a smaller version, but yes, they're not going to yes, do the yes, giant yes, beer tent that's one. like like traditional Drunk foreigner, yeah. Oktoberfest. They're not going to do that. But Max says it's a freaking shit show in Germany. Mm-hmm. Like he's like yep. it's not an awesome thing to go to. No, <laughs> I've been told that the that in Frankfurt that's the one to go to. Oh, okay. not Munich. Yeah, the Munich is one. like the really touristy one. Mm-hmm. There's like four breweries right around the square, and the breweries have described it described it as printing money. Because like, there's a rule that all of the beers served there has to be served within that area. Oh, so yeah, like, there's that. no outside competition. Yeah, and they just make a shitload of beer for those couple of weeks and <clears throat> sell it for a lot of money and sell a lot of t-shirts and steins. Interesting. So, but Frankfurt's supposed to be a much more traditional version of the festival. Yeah, and it is the festival, so it's. Mm-hmm. I'd rather go there. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, someday I hope I can go there. And uh, it, yep. while we're talking about Germany, um. I just want to say what's up to our Argentina listeners. Um, we <laughs> that's have, a nice segue. Because <laughs> that's where Hitler is. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, that's where a lot of these guys went to. But that's not why we like you guys. We like you guys because you listen to the show. And instead of saying this at the end of the show, I just want to remind everyone this is a value for value podcast, which means if you find value in this podcast, give value back, whether that is your time, treasure, or talent. And that is something that... Um, you know, we didn't come up with, this is a principle that was, uh, at least for podcasting adopted and, uh, um, pushed forward by Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak and no agenda in which you, the listener becomes the producer as you help out with the podcast. So if you like this podcast, um, you like John and I talking about these things, uh, what we would like is, you know, always donations of money because this is expensive. I have to pay for clean feeds and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and cold, hard cash. And in order to do that, and you can do that through uh, podcasting 2.0 apps like Fountain.fm and Podverse and Albi. Um, so there's ways there, but 
but John and I are, um, uh, we want to reach people. So we want mm-hmm. to talk to the people that listen to the show. Um, that's kind of like our thing. Like we want to know people. Uh, we want to make friends all over the world. And uh, we want to be able to talk to people about not just whiskey and beer, although that's fun, but also just about what's going on in your neck of the woods and your world. So there is a phone number that you can call. There's emails that you can email. Um, you can email us at balderdashboys at protonmail.com. And then you can even call us. Um, I don't know Spanish. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you are an English speaking person in Argentina, the number is. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. 360 553 1058. Uh, we would love to take your call. We're even as we're live right now. Even uh, we would yeah. take calls, but I don't know what time it is in Argentina, so that might be a little. It's difficult. close. Is it? We're like straight up. Oh, okay. And, I don't know how true that is, but okay. <laughs> I'd like to know yeah, like yeah. what parts of Argentina um, our listeners are from. But I'm I'm glad that you guys are listening, and I've been yeah, assured thanks. by Blueberry this is not VPNs. Um, I'll also say like uh, to your point, like I know we said value for value cash helps but we do find value in the communication yep like in getting to know you that's valuable too yep so yeah i mean it'd be nice to have a whole bunch to know a bunch of people all over the world that we could you know chat yeah, for with sure and whatnot. so i think it makes it a lot more interesting than just us two fat kids sitting around talking yeah. nonsense exactly exactly so that's uh so i just wanted to say that now so the end of the show where most people check out we could just say that right now as we are that's near clever west i see what you did near the top of the show yeah i'll just let it all out right now nope now people just cut off at 25 minutes <laughs> <laughs> damn it backfired <laughs> oh so hey uh i've been going through um I was looking at MK Ultra stuff. Of course, I was, and um, mm-hmm. because the whole FEMA thing with the with the um, that notification National that went out, yeah, alert. yeah, and it does have something to do with FEMA. Um, I I found one thing: the Rex eighty four um, program. Uh, it's also known as Operation Cable Splicer. Um, this is a, a subprogram of the Rex 84 program, which was established on the reasoning that if a max exodus of illegal aliens crossed the Mexican U S border, they'd be quickly rounded up and detained in detention centers by FEMA. Rex 84 allows many military bases to be closed down and be turned into prisons. So the program for an orderly takeover of the state and local governments by the federal government, FEMA is the executive arm of the coming police state and thus will head up all the operations. Um, that's why in Washington we're FEMA Region Ten. So it, it is it is believed that FEMA would uh, <laughs> by some yeah by some would uh, basically parcel out the United States into regions. And and you can and you can look this up too. You can look up what you know your FEMA region is. Like to what end? Camps. Just government camps for for who? For the government. <laughs> I mean, no, but but why? Oh, oh, to control you to yeah, but if they to why become they a military the state that are making them all that like like if you got ten thousand Amazon employees, why mm-hmm. would you re- round them up if they're making you money? Well, they would There's still no money make you money. Camps. No, 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 no. They wouldn't necessarily put you in camps unless you are. Yep. Uh, They wouldn't put you into a camp. At least I don't believe they'd put you in a camp unless you're saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong things. Who decides that? FEMA? Yeah, FEMA. What's the wrong thing? I don't know. Whatever they determine is the wrong thing. There's no no list of here's the right things and the wrong things to do. I think there probably is. Somebody's made I don't have it. (laughs) <laughs> I know you haven't looked hard enough. Did I probably have it. What are the right thing? There's this. There's a Google search. I mean, don't Google search, or at least do it in incognito mode. Like, what are the right things to say when the government comes knocking on your door? Yeah, that would be a good one. Uh, How many guns do you have? Yeah, as that many would as be. you know I have. Yeah, exactly. Those are. Yeah, you have to be careful on your answers for sure. <laughs> How many guns do you have? How many guns do you? Can't you can't say bomb in an airplane. Think I have. <laughs> Rhode Island you is uh, your number one, buddy. I know, number one. You're FEMA Region 1. That's right. That's nice. Do you know how fast I was going? Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, being able to. So that was something that kind of popped up while I was looking at the FEMA thing. But what I actually wanted to talk about, and those are good questions that you had, John, and I don't know the answers to them because I haven't looked at them. Um, all the sub projects of MK Ultra. <clears throat> now, MK Ultra is actually not a uh, conspiracy theory. This is actually something that is proven. Lots of documents out there about it. The CIA oh. well, has admitted. Well, they released a documentation on it. Yeah. Right. They were doing experiments using LSD and mind control and yep and uh, crazy, craziness it's doing horrible things to people against their will yep and uh well yeah and this is by the CIA and our government so if you yeah, think but our, trust them yeah but trust them exactly. they were giving people free drugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> experimental drugs they didn't know what was going to happen to them but it was free drugs uh so there's 149 sub projects under MK Ultra um some are not super interesting. Some are like research and testing services and behavior modification. Um, some are midnight operation, midnight climax is a popular one where they use Johns, um, that, uh, you know, were with prostitutes and they would hide behind, you know, two way mirrors. And then they would fill the room with either LSD or the prostitute would slip the guy some LSD and they would see how they would react. And the guys wouldn't know that, that they were being part of a um, project. And that's, mm. that's actually sub project number three, realistic field testing of R and D items of interest to technical service staff. Technical services staff was the name of the group in MK ultra that was doing a lot of these experiments. Most of them were head up by Dr. Sidney Got- Gottlieb. <clears throat> No relation to the Gottlieb that is the head of the FDA, by the way. At least none that we can find. Are you sure? We've looked. I've looked. There's no <laughs> relation. But Gottlieb is not a uh, you know common last name as far as I know. Um, I only made it to as far as sub-project number four on this list. And I thought this was interesting um, to bring up because sub-project number four, 15 and 19, um, are to fund the contractor – who is a magician uh, to write a manual on various aspects of the magician's art, which could be useful in covert operations. The result, kind of funny one. yeah, the result was a book called Mulholland's manual. And this was declassified and published in 2009 as the official CIA manual of trickery and deception. Um, so this was from 1953 to 1954. They hired uh, at the time, this really world-renowned, like, magician's magician. This guy, he was an editor of, like, a magician's magazine or editorial. Um, and he was hired by the CIA for $3,000 to write a manual on how to deceive and trick and, you know, escape and how to hide things within your body or on your person and how to, you know, do dead drops that are sneaky. So basically decept. And mm-hmm. uh, and he used all of his magician tricks and he kind of laid it all out. You can find it. It's at Internet Archive. Um, and the whole manual's there and how to handle tablets, how to handle powders, liquids, um, removal of objects, deception for women, uh, removal of objects by women, working as a team, uh, how to give recognition signals because sometimes in the field they would send two people out that didn't know that they were working at the same time because they would compartmentalize operations so no one would have the full thing, especially if they got caught. Mm. Uh, they were told to take certain tablets or to prick themselves with pins that would kill them. Um, but they have the tooth <clears throat> explodes. Yeah, they don't talk about the, the tooth exploding one, um, but they do talk a lot about several things that they used, um, you know, within this. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I I've been reading it, uh, this afternoon for like the last hour or so. Um, you know, and a lot of it's just, you know, understanding, um, understanding your stage. So the magician put it as like understanding your stage. So, you know, what your scenario is and where you're at and stuff like that. Uh, who is your audience or the person you're trying to deceive, um, you know, kind of getting a, a feel on them. Are they greedy? Are they gullible? Um, you know, so really kind of doing like some kind of, you know, asking a few questions or seeing something about that person and then um, finding opportunities to be deceptive or, you know, are they easily distracted? You know, how can you, 
like if you wanted to, um, they talk about one instance about like hiding, hiding salt. So if you wanted to put salt in your pocket, I know it sounds absurd, but he says, if you want to put salt in your pocket, you know, you could put your beer in front of you and like, Oh, I want a little salt in my beer, but you, you're acting like you can't get salt out. So you're kind of really shaking it, but you're shaking it behind the beer and salts falling into your left hand. And then you kind of move your left hand to your side once it starts working and then you salt things. And then you just wait like a minute and then you put the salt in your pocket. No, everyone's concentrating on you moving the salt shaker. So they're not really paying attention to where your other mm-hmm. hand is and stuff like that. So it's that kind of art of deception um, is one of the examples. So I thought it was interesting because I'm always interested in how people are trying to deceive other people. Um, Constantly. How, yeah. And, you know, and that's why like I was interested in propaganda like, you know, how can I, how can I tune my ears to hearing propaganda? How can I tune my brain to hearing when someone is bullshitting me? Um, I have an old book from the twenties about hypnosis, um, which is a fascinating thing. Kind of the, they talk about how to tell who's most susceptible to hypnosis. Do you uh, think so finding the most trying to tune people, your ear to, um, knowing when someone's being deceptive makes you predisposed to believing someone is lying to you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, even if they're not necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the risk you run into. Like you convince yourself that everybody's lying to you and now you're just walking around believing everyone's a liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's like kind of, I feel like a lot of, I mean, I'm not saying you're this way, but there are people today that's like anything, like they believe they're right and anything that challenges them at all must be a lie. There's no way they could be wrong. Right. Right. It's really unfortunate. You're, you're, I call it critical thinking. Right. So yep. you're just thinking about what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they really saying? And, and uh, and I think shows like, like no agenda, they do a good job when they're deconstructing whatever news segment and stuff. It's like, they don't ever answer the question. Like, you know, they pick those things out, laugh tells or cough tells, or, you know, <coughs> ways in which people, ways in which people, when they're trying to give information, their body's rejecting the information. How do you tell if somebody's lying if they're always full of shit? Yeah, then you just they're you just they're, you have to start full with shit. full of shit. You know. Okay. Well, be, the and best I, lies. You're looking for signs that they're being honest. Well, the best lies are are usually wrapped in truth. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a lot of truth, and then there's a lie in there. It's be, like the best conspiracy theories have like a kernel of truth in them. The they question do. is like what? What is, is the it? Kernel of truth. Exactly. Sometimes it's something. <clears throat> crazy and nefarious and sometimes it's something inert but that little bit of truth gives it credence sure like uh does child sex trafficking happen in this world in this country yes yes is it run by the government who knows but because the one is true you start going well maybe you know these powerful people also do this stuff you know i mean is wayfair selling overpriced sofas (laughs) under the guise of selling children yes I'm not allowed to talk about it. (laughs) No, there's actually a really funny thing about like the, not funny. It's actually really sad. Um, But there was a woman who's like, I don't remember what organization she's a part of, but she um, works on exploited children's cases and um, trying to prevent child trafficking. And she said, the reality is it's a lot easier to traffic children than it's, than setting up a website and selling couches. Like, that's a really complicated way of doing it. Yeah. And it's a lot easier than that, Yep, unfortunately. So you wouldn't need to do that. There's no point in creating such a complex system to make this happen. Well, it's like watching To Catch a Predator. You know, these sick fucks, they know what they were doing. Yeah. You know, and then what's his name pops up? And then they're like, uh, so who you here? Well, I was trying to get this kid, this 13-year-old girl, to not do this. Yeah, it was, uh, I was going to teach her something. <laughs> it's going to teach her a lesson. It's like, oh, yeah. I bet you were. No, we're going to. No, we're not going down this road. No, but you know, there was also a Hold guy on, on uh, the Sean Ryan show who um, he's a white hat hacker. Um, I forget which episode it was, but um, he his job as a hacker um, is he works for local and federal governments to uh, catch child pornography rings, mm. um, and unfortunately, um, he says. He says, I, I don't look at the photos. I don't want to look at anything um, like that. But he'll get into chat conversations with these guys, and they're disgusting. Yeah. Um, like, 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 think of the worst thing. He goes, it's probably worse than you think it is. 
mm-hmm. you know, and then Sean Ryan's like, I don't even want to ask you any more nope. questions. Like I'm done with this because it's hard for us to handle the reality of mm-hmm. something that, that grotesque. Can, can you imagine having a job like that where like you have to see or be involved with this all the time? Like how psychologically challenging that must be. Yeah. I, I mean, I like, couldn't, I couldn't imagine. <clears throat> I know there's, I know there's part of your brain that you like, Compart- people who are really good at compartmentalizing probably are really good at this, mm-hmm. but like you have to be driven by the fact that you know you're making the world a better place to tolerate being around that in some way, right? Like you have to believe that this is the right thing to do, and you have to be open to getting help. Yeah, talking to somebody about it, shit would make me go crazy. It would make me go crazy too. I have a friend who's a chaplain for the Kent Police Department, and uh, you know he's he's done other stuff. He was in he was um. Uh, ambulance driver at one point in time as well, or a medic. And uh, like, he just, he, what he does now is instead of being first on the scene, he's last on the scene where he has to talk to the families of the victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he'll sit with them and he'll just be there to try to console them in any way that he can. And that to me sounds hard because most he said most of the last couple years um the last three years during covid most of his calls were suicides Mm -hmm. a lot of them were teenagers he says which makes me sick but a lot of them were also men our age john Mm -hmm. you know and it and it's mostly males and not females it's mostly males just lonely tired of this world and everything that's going on males um and he says that's been the hardest thing, you know, to to see. It's, it hasn't been domestic violence so much. Um, he's just gotten a lot of calls for for suicides, and and that's that's been really hard for him. And that'd be hard for me. And he's he's asked me once if I was interested in it because um, I've been a pastor and stuff like that before. And uh, I've thought about it, but the same reason I've you know I I don't think I'd be a good police officer is that I just I don't think I could stomach. Mm. A lot of the the darkness that kind of comes with that it can be a traffic cop. Yeah, yeah. Well, he also and so he also uh, is a chaplain to the police officers too, because a lot of them have a hard time with the scene. So not only does he have to talk to the family of the victims, but he'll talk to the to the police officers that were the first responders um, mm-hmm. on the scene and just make sure they're okay. You know, because some of the things that they do go into is they're not awesome things. They're very hard to handle. So So here's a couple stats. I mean, I, I did a quick search about why suicides are so high in men. And this is a study from the UK, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's very similar rates in the U S um, 74% of all suicides involve men. Wow. Um, men age 45 to 64 have the highest rate of suicide. Wow. Of all groups. Wow. Uh, and suicide is the second biggest cause of death in young males from one to 19. Wow. Um, and we're, oh, and the reasons they say it's, they say 40% of men have never spoken to anyone about their mental health, despite over three quarters suffering from common symptoms like anxiety, stress, and depression. And when asked why they, the top four reasons they give are, I learned to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't wish to be a burden. I'm too embarrassed. And there's negative stigma around this type of thing. Mm. It's interesting. They did point out too, like a lot of this stems from our, our culture of man up. Yeah. And so it's like, I just need to like be tough and, you know, letting, having conversation about it. That makes me weak. Yep. Which is really sad. That is sad. That's, that seems very lonely. Yeah. To, to not be able to talk to, you know, anyone for that matter. Yeah, for sure. And you know what I find interesting too, they did it. They, when they interview people who attempted to commit suicide and survived, like say they jumped off a bridge or and they ended up surviving this fall. They asked them what, what's the, what was the first thing I thought about after they went over the edge? And it was almost a hundred percent of the time. What have I done? Yeah. Like it's regret. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you're like, I just did something I can't take back. Yep. But this wasn't the answer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get into dark moods and dark moods, man, mm-hmm. you, you're not thinking clearly. You are unreasonable yep. in a dark mood and, so I think it's yeah. important. I think, I think you bring up something really important is that as, you know, as men, you don't have to tell the whole world, but you know, it's, 
you're blessed if you have a friend that you can talk to about the things that you might be struggling with. And, you know, and, and, and even if you're afraid of what that other person might think, you got to think about what kind of friend you have, but also Mm -hmm. number two, you actually open up a conversation for that other friend to maybe also be like, dude, yeah, yeah, I also feel X, Y, Z. Yeah. You have no idea what that person's going through. Like, I love it when you hear people talk about why they respond positively when somebody's being a jerk mm-hmm. and that response of, you don't know what's going on in their lives. They might be having a terrible day and they just needed someone to take it out on. And maybe that's me. Yeah. And if that helps them move on in their world, fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, they, I think it's important. It. It's if not you're, as personal. <clears throat> I agree. I think it's also important as a guy to check in with your friends. Mm-hmm. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Hope you're doing well. You know, it, it, there's nothing sissy about that. There's nothing, you know, it's, it's just consideration, mm-hmm. you know, and as a man, I think, a, I think a true definition, not the false definition of a man, but a true definition of a man is, is one that doesn't only look after his family, but also looks after his friends. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and is able to have conversations with them, even though that they're, you know, hard. You ever watch King of the Hill? Mm-hmm. King of the Hill Bobby. is is super is super funny. That boy ain't right. Um, because if Hank, you weren't my son, I'd hug you. <laughs> that's just it. Hank mm-hmm. is very afraid of any kind of affection. Mm-hmm. You know when uh, Bobby Bobby says something like, uh, <laughs> Hank goes where they're at church and Bobby's taking all the small envelopes. <laughs> and Hank goes, Bobby, don't take all those envelopes. Those aren't for you. And he goes. Well, I like them because they're small and I can put all my small things in them. And Hank goes, you shouldn't even have small things to put in those envelopes. <laughs> Just things like that where he's he's that man that is mm-hmm. afraid to express himself, but he's forced in these situations where he realizes, you know, he's always going, <sighs> you know, because he's like got to, he's got to like be a friend now, you know, he's got to yeah. like put himself out there. Uh, Mm -hmm. But people look up to him because he is wise in the things that he says, you know, and if they just would have listened to him the first time, it's, it's a funny (laughs) dynamic, but it's, it's that kind of attitude that I think, you know, doesn't help men very much. And you need men. I think men need men. Um, I think women are great. Um, Don't get me wrong, but I think men also often will feel more comfortable if they can also talk to another man about personal things Mm -hmm. because talking to, a female oftentimes will make, will kind of exasperate that feeling of insecurity or I'm not much of a man because I'm being weak in front of a woman. Mm-hmm. We could say that's cultural as well, but if men give themselves permission to be vulnerable with other men and be able to talk about hard things, I think that's, I think that's a benefit. Yeah, for sure. And John and what I are those think? two guys that you can talk to and uh, and we will record it all and send it to Argentina. And then we'll snicker behind your back. <laughs> no, we no. won't. No. Well, we'll ask, we'll true. check in on you. We'll ask if mm-hmm. you're okay. You know, life's tough, you know, and, yeah, for sure. uh, and we need people to remind us that life, even though it's tough, it's also full of awesome things. Yeah. So, I, have you ever lost anyone to suicide? Uh, No, I have not. I lost my best friend in eighth grade. Oh, that's a bad time to lose a friend too. It was a really bad time. That was rough. Yeah. Oh no, seventh grade. Sorry. Seventh grade. It was the first year into junior high. He was my best friend and one of my only friends we met in English class. But halfway through the year, we lost him. Wow. And it was it was really hard to handle in that like if you were paying attention, you saw it coming. Yeah. But like you don't pay attention. You're a kid and you're dumb. And yeah. like we're the same as adults. We like get in our our little tunnel and we're not paying attention to each other and we're not picking up on the signs. And sometimes we just get so focused on ourselves that we miss the the warning signs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so young, take, dude. Take a deep breath and <laughs> give your family and friends hugs and let them know you love them. Yeah. Life is and short if you're already. Feeling it, be honest about it. Cause to your point, the, when somebody speaks up, it makes everyone else feel free to mm-hmm. share their issues that they're going through. Cause I don't really give a shit who you are. We all have things that we need to share or talk about or that we're dealing with, especially in Seattle when we're coming into winter and we have such a high suicide rate or such a high depression rate. Yep. 
It's so cloudy. Yep. Seasonal effectiveness. Sad. So it's a, it's a real thing. Yeah. No, it really is. That's why Dan and I usually try to escape around February or so because we just can't take it anymore. That's why we're going to move to Arizona. That's not true. I just no. made that up. Nobody wants to move. To I Arizona. don't want to go to Arizona at all. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. That was a great I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah. It was terrible. Well, I'm sorry that you lost your best friend in seventh grade. That's a tough time yeah. to lose a friend because it's so young. Yeah. I, I know we've talked about things like that in the past. Um, that I've had a lot of loss in my life, um, but I don't sit around and dwell on it and think, well, it was me. Like a lot of that is why I am who I am and the way that I learned to respond to situations like that and why I do share. And uh, I think, I mean, that the silver lining behind terrible situations is you recognize pretty quickly how life fragile is, how fragile life is. Yeah. Sorry, I said that wrong. That's Urban. funny. Um, how life fragile is. How life fragile is. That's the name how of fragile life is. How life fragile is is the name How of life the episode. Fragile is. Okay, <laughs> but it is like that's that's why I'm that's why I'm a hugger. That's why yeah. I share. That's yeah. why I like having these conversations. That's why I love people. Yep. That's why I'm forgiving of people who are having a tough time or yeah, forgiveness. I mean, some people are just assholes. Let's get that straight. Yeah. But like, um, when somebody just like yells at you in traffic for no reason, maybe they're just having a shit day and they just need to let it out on you. That's why, like. One of the things that you told me that you do is when somebody's being a real poop, you just say, I love you. Yeah. I yell at him. I love you. I love it. It's so disarming. Yeah. I had a guy that, uh, he was actually a neighbor of my dad's. Um, I didn't know he was actually dying of cancer at the time. And, uh, oh, he, harsh he, he was honked at me and he was mad at me and he rolled down his window to flip me off. And I rolled, I stopped my truck right next to his truck and he's sitting there and he's yelling at me. Um, cause he thought I wasn't giving him enough room down this s- small road and he rolled his window. He's like, you fucking uh, like that. And I just looked at him and go, I love you. He just stopped and looked at me and I just kept driving. <laughs> and then I told my dad that I said, I think your neighbor He's like, Oh, you know, he's dying of cancer. I was like, no, I didn't know he's dying oh. of cancer. How <laughs> well, would I know so that? Glad you didn't yell at him. <laughs> I am. But that's yeah. just it is that you're killing them with kindness. You're, you know, it's disarming to tell someone that you love them. I mean, I don't know this person. I don't know what they're going through. So yeah. they, they could be on LSD. Sure. I mean, you it doesn't, know. it doesn't mean that while I'm driving with my windows up, I'm telling them to get fucked. Sorry, Dana. Every oh. time I'm <laughs> driving down I-5, but I am. Oh, I had So years ago when I went from outside sales, I always had a work car and I was driving around all the time. And I think I've shared this with you before, uh, but I, I came to this realization one day. I like I worked for Amazon, and I was working from home all day long. And there was one day, like we had a blow up. But, uh, well, not not we, me. And I had this epiphany one day where it's like, I used to have a job where I had all this time to just let loose on my pent up rage in the car where nobody could oh, hear me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yelling at people. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, I'm like working in an office and then working at home, and there's like no outlet. Yeah. You know, I'm surrounded by people all the time. Yep. Got to keep my shit together all the time. And I was not like venting. I was not letting out my anxiety and my stress. I was just keeping it all in until the worst moment possible, which usually involves alcohol. Yep. When you're and finally, uh, all a, your barriers are down. Uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's not good. No. I'm a little more healthy now. Yeah. Well, we all have our weak moments. I mean, we're, we're allowed that we're human. Yep. We can't be perfect. We can't expect it to be perfect in any way. We certainly can try. Well, we do try and then we fail, which makes us even more pissed off. Now, one of the things, um, that I enjoy doing, I don't talk about it a lot on the podcast is, uh, photography. And, um, I have a street photography Instagram page. If anyone's interested, it's called West Seattle streets or West Olson photography. There's two pages. Do you ever do like, <clears throat> like, uh, do you sell ever sell your pictures? No. Like, well, why not? Uh, I have. They're impos- probably more valuable than our voices. I have imposter syndrome. I don't think they're great. No. Well, <laughs> I'm fuck a, you, Wes. I'm a great. hard critic of myself. But anyways, <clears throat> so I like to go down to the farmer's market here in West Seattle and I'll take photos on Sundays. And this last Sunday, it was a beautiful day. It was nice and sunny. And as I'm going around, 
and just looking for a shot, looking for something unique, looking for some shadow or something like that. The people around me were sourpusses. They were just, no one looked happy. Mm. And I had this thought in my head because this is a good time to just kind of be quiet and philosophize and, and, uh, and think about things. And, and I thought, you know, if what they say is true and we just came out of the second worst pandemic ever in history of human beings, um, or third, or I don't even know what, but if we came out of something this bad that killed this many people, everyone alive here should be super happy that they're here on a gorgeous Sunday mid afternoon buying beautiful flowers and vegetables and talking to people. Mm-hmm. You think right? everyone should be walking around with a giant smile on their face. Cause this mm-hmm. is a great day and they should be rejoicing in it. And, uh, so I, you know, when I walk around, I try to be disarming cause I have a camera <clears throat> and I don't want to freak people out. So I smile at everyone. I just try smiling and I try to not have a, like a resting bitch face, if you will. But I try to have like a grin on my face and I'm just trying to be a friendly person. Um, and, uh, it's, it's amazing how many people won't make eye contact. Um, it's amazing how many people just did not look happy. And I, it really kind of struck me the unhappiness of, of people in a, in a time that not everything's perfect in the world, the situations and stuff like that, whatever. But in your own little time, like right now, it's like, 60 degrees and it's sunny and it's got that crisp mm-hmm. Seattle fall sunny day where you can wear a fleece and, and still be warm, but it's also cold. And I don't know, man, I was just like, this is too nice of a day to be this unhappy. And yeah, well, newsflash for people. <clears throat> it's never perfect. <laughs> no. In the nineties, they were concerned about it being perfect in the two thousands. Yeah. And now it's like, there's always something to complain about and we're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. And don't you wish you can go back to the nineties knowing what you know now? I do. I do too. All the time yeah. I think about it I would all the time. In Yahoo. <laughs> Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Well, I would have invested in Yahoo and then sold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Before like, the crash. Like 2006. But I would have gotten that cheap ass Amazon. And ooh, all I would right. just, I would not have bought a lot of it. It'd be me all and Bezos. It. We would have been the yeah. two main shareholders. Yeah. Pick that shit up in the IPO. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, dude. And then wait until 2021. I thought it was 19. Oh, well, they split in 21, didn't they? Well, it wasn't like a one when the for pandemic 20 hit, split. They soared to like $3,600 a share. Yeah. And then they split to like $100 each. So, but anyway, my point is like, that's the highest it's ever been. Mm-hmm. That's when, like, when the pandemic hits, you're like, I'm buying an island, bitches. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. But who knew? Cause like Home Grocer was like a great one. Do you remember Home Grocer? Yeah. Yeah. Gone. Gone. <laughs> What was the one where the guys would show up? Uh, you could buy stuff online and they would show up in little red scooters. Zazu or something like that. Oh, I don't remember that one. I used to buy cigarettes and ice cream <laughs> and this dude on his scooter would come up to the house. <laughs> yep. And he had a little red helmet and he'd give me my cigarettes and my ice cream. It was great. It's really hard to pick a winner, but in hindsight, <clears throat> you kind of could see it coming with Amazon. Yeah. Well, I it's mean, like, it's a bookseller you use, and yeah, but you, you use like the, uh, the Warren Buffett model and you're like, you buy what you know. Yeah. And like, I was buying shit through Amazon all the time. like for college, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is great. This is easy. Prices are good. Should have known better. So what do you buy now that, you know, that isn't really well known whiskey. There you go. Yeah, that's it. It's not a great investment, but it makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> For a little while. It's actually a terrible investment. Yeah. If you spent $50 on a bottle of whiskey, the return is some dizziness. Yeah, that's true. But uh, depending, well, that's why it should be shared. So yes. if you're sharing it with people, your your investment will pay off in great conversations. We I want um, money. I had Bird Creek. Dana bought me two boxes of this stuff called Bird Creek Single Malt. Um, and we're going to have to do this on a different show. Um, but I cracked that sucker open recently. And I kept it up here. It's been behind a bunch of other bottles and boxes uh, for like a year. And I cracked one open. And it is one of the best single malts I have ever had. And next time you're home, I think what we should do is we should call up the guy that 
the tasting room guy, Patrick, I believe his name is. Is he from here? Uh, it's Oregon. Or from Seattle? It's an Oregon single malt. No. Call him up. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, we'll have them like on, maybe we'll do a clean feed with them and, uh, and, uh, we'll have them on. What do you think? So sounds good to me. Excellent. Uh, I do want to say shout out to Tim <clears throat> the day before Helen and I flew home. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, come on, Tate, not real. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, right before we flew home, uh, Tim came over, he brought us some alcohols to taste from a friend of his. Nice. Uh, that started a distillery out in Royal City. Oh. Uh, and he has a vodka and an apple brandy. Okay. Uh, and the vodka was very good. And the apple brandy drank like a bourbon. Like, I don't typically like brandy. Yeah. This this was really good. Nice. So um, we'll have to we'll have to have Tim on if he's interested. Sorry for the late shout out, Tim, but I want to give a shout out. That was delicious. Um and uh, if we can convince him, it'd be great to have him on. We can have some conversations. Actually, I would like that. I would like yeah, to have fun. Timmy on. That would be great. And then yeah. next week, we're going to do River Sticks Brewing, Orion Sour. So we're going to do a, Ryan, uh, a sour beer. So if you want to find that beer and drink with us uh, when we do it next week, uh, that's the beer we're going to be drinking. What's the whiskey we're mm-hmm. going to be drinking next week? Because I gave you a bunch and I forgot to write it oh, down. I'll <laughs> have to put those on the list. I know. <laughs> I started, I start. I got halfway there. No, you did great. I was like, woo, look at this. Yeah. So, so that is the beer that we're trying next week. So if you want to get prepared for that, that's what we're going to do. And uh, I think we'll it's shoot out a note. What's that? We'll shoot out a note on the Instagram about what we're going to be drinking. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, so people drink along. Yeah. And uh, anything else, Johnny? Uh, you know, there's lots of things. We touched on quite a bit tonight. But, but we have more episodes to make, so we have to save it. We have to leave them hanging. This is called a <clears throat> hook. No, that's a different thing. How do we? How do we? Uh, a cliffhanger. Soft ending. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes it works. There's nothing soft about me. Gross. Sixty nine, dudes. So, <laughs> there's your sex talk for the yeah. night. <laughs> it had to happen. All right. <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you guys again for listening to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. Uh, this is episode 75. John, we made it to 75 episodes. Three quarters of a hundred. I told you that we could do a hundred. You were like, I don't know if we can do a hundred. But here we are. Turns out we're full of hot air. <laughs> a lot of bullshit happens here, <laughs> folks. And that's what happens when you get a Oktoberfest. Oaked aged lager from Firestone Walker. It's really good. It was really good. It's also seasonal, so get it now. Yeah, and a Peerless Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. Uh, That was suggested by uh, our one of our listeners, JT. So thank you, JT, for suggesting that. JT, I did enjoy it. Uh, It's not a typical rye, but uh, it was it was very nice. So good job, Peerless. I agree. I enjoyed. And again, this is a value for value podcast. Uh, but you know, we're gonna forgo the money part. Just leave us comments. Talk um, to us. Leave yes. us voicemails. Uh, leave us emails. We want to connect with our listeners, so uh, please reach out to John and I and tell us how you found us, what you like about the show, what you'd like to hear on the show. Um, why we're terrible. Why we're awful. Um, and, and all we'll uh, say is, I love you. That's right. I love you. I'll just say it right now. I love you. And, uh, yeah. And, and if you leave us a balderdash mail or a voicemail, see how clever that is. Uh, we'll play it on uh, the next episode of beer, bourbon and balderdash. Thank you so much again for listening. And, um, that's all I gotta say. What do you think, John? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Awesome. Did the echo go away at all? Nope. Awesome. What a trooper. You're a trooper. Nope. We got to figure that shit out. No, 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 no. It, 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 it has that. It only does it not, 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 not. It's like if you threw a ball at a wall and it hit you in the face. Yeah. That's what it's doing. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That sucks. All right. right. Have a really nice place. Well, that's it for tonight. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everyone. What was that you said about your balls? Fuck. Oh, I just said I had nice balls. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. 
already said it. I'm not going to say it. We got to let the music play. <laughs> this is going to be this for the next few seconds, folks. Sorry. You're just going to have to listen right, to this. Where's, where's the, uh, this the is DVD our podcast. Feet. We can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> this is the worst outro ever. No, you can turn it off. Ain't no one forcing you to continue to listen. Oh, I'm in it to anybody. There might be a secret message. You don't know. We're not the CIA. That's right. Is that it? The balderdash word for the night is fuck. No, it's not fuck. Damn it. I wanted to do this earlier. Why did I forget? Because I actually had one prepared. This is people might. Damn it. Oh, balderdash. We could give people all points dude i had a word and i had it saved and i can't believe that i didn't even we're just going to keep going here then okay all right let's do it where's it at started with an f Ferdung. fuck Ferdung. Ferdung. anglo-saxon word Ferdung was the balderdash word for the night if you stayed this long i want you to comment on our instagram page beer bourbon balderdash or on our twitter page with the word Ferdung, F-Y-R-D-U-N-G. And that way we knew that you listened to the end of the show. Yeah. But I mean, if you, spoiler alert, a Ferdung is the post right next to a gate. It's not, but that was good though. (laughs) It's one of bear shits in the woods. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night.